Hey everyone, Tommy V here with another podcast episode. Uh, we got a g- great special guest here. This is Josh and Christy Wright. I met them through Greg Todd in the Invincible Income System. Uh, they are kind of split right now, a little bit of cash-based PT, a little bit of home health. Um, they have a bunch of kids. Uh, they have background in real estate, being a broker. Um, so we previously did a call to just kind of you know get to know each other. And I love what they're doing and the way that they approach you know business, real estate, and uh, healthcare and all those kind of things. So we decided to do a second um, recording here to share with the audience um, some tips about property managers, uh, making decisions with your spouse, kind of their real estate journey, and kind of talk through all those things. So go ahead and introduce yourself, guys. Hey, everybody. I'm Christy. This is Josh. Um, we, um, yeah, we're both physical therapists. We graduated from PT school back in 2011, and we each had about $75,000 in student loans a piece, and then decided to get married, which, you know, when you marry, get married, your debt becomes our debt. And so we knew as PTs coming out, um, $55,000 with a doctorate degree in the Midwest, um, that was not going to be the way that we're going to pay off our student loans quick. So it was actually Josh's idea first to get invested in real estate. And it kind of, you know, it's a life change, but we used it to pay off our student loans and we learned a ton and it's been pretty great. Yeah, we, I would say we started off, I was just very aggressive with the educational process in graduate school. When I needed a break from studying for PT, I would read real estate books. And so when we actually decided to buy our first house, uh, we knew we were going to live in it, but not for very long and then turn it into a rental. We were not scared at all because it's just like prepping for a test. Mm -hmm. And you go into a test and you're like, I got this versus a test where you're like, oh crap, I didn't study at all. And so when we dove into it for our first investment property, we were like, it was not a big deal at all. Yeah. And it was kind of crazy to our friends. Our friends are all, you know, buying these big, beautiful houses and they're emotionally buying. And Josh and I are looking at properties thinking, what's the neighborhood? What's the rental capability does? What's the floor look like? Is there, are we going to have to do stuff with it? And so the first house we actually bought, it, you know, first time home buyer. So you get those low interest rates, you know, the FHA or whatever. Um, Josh didn't even go look at. Uh, mm-hmm. We made it. I went and looked at it. We it was just a numbers game. We wrote the offer and we bought it and we moved in. <laughs> and we knew that we wanted to do you know live in it for a while and then turn it to a rental. And so we actually did that a couple different times, so that we were buying you know um, our house was you know a thousand square feet, a three bedroom, two bath in a great neighborhood. Um, and so we buy a house, live in it for a while, you know, make it you know, the things that tenants aren't going to have to really worry about. So like Tyler laminate floor is really nice, you know, um, a fenced in yard, just things that you're going to have to think about with like, okay, if I'm going to have to come and check on my property, am I going to want to worry about dirty carpet? Am I going to system? So we tried to think long-term when looking at our houses, but honestly, that's also us moving every couple of years. So, you know, when you're young and you're starting a family, that's tricky. Our boat, you know, had a bunch of student loans. We got married. Um, and then we opted to kind of use travel physical therapy to uh, try to get a jump start on our loans. Uh, so it was me, the wife, yeah. our three month old and the dog moved to the camper, traveled all around for 15 months. And then now that we have baby number two on the way, we exited travel. And so we're kind of yeah. in that boat where we're trying to figure out, okay, can we pull off buying a house with the, you know, the four thinking ahead that we would turn it into a rental on the back end. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. down here in Tampa, St. Petersburg, um, 
the price points, the HOAs, and the interest rates are just uh, really, really limiting those options. Yeah. So it may not work for us right now, but I love exactly what, what you said. So how many times did you turn your old house into a rental? So we did it twice, but we also flipped two houses. So we bought, turned it into a rental, moved into another house, turned that one into a rental. Then we suddenly, we had, our girls are 17 months apart. So we went from having no kids to two kids pretty quick. Um, so then we decided we would buy a house and flip it. So we finished a basement in one and another one we completely gutted. And then we used the income from those to help pay off student loans. But then ultimately, during that process, we were working with um, a real estate agent here in town who had a lot of rentals. And I will say that's something to look at when you're looking at an agent. An agent that owns rentals themselves will look at property very differently than a rate agent who's just wanting you to sell a house. And so talking to agents that own rentals themselves, they know about return on investment. They know about different neighborhoods, and they're going to help you figure out that cash flow. And so I actually got my real estate license and then moved on to getting my broker's license because I thought that was going to save me money in the long run. And so then we did use a, ma a property management company for a little bit because we were both working as full-time PTs, had two little kids. Um, and we learned a lot from that too, because we learned their systems, their processes, um, the things that they did, like they would go in every six months to check furnace filters, to keep an eye on your property. And, you know, it, there's just all of these great things we learned on how to set your property up, how to go in and check on your property, how to do flips and turns. And from this point on, we have um, a commercial property right now and we have tenants in with us. And so um, moving forward, we will always manage our own, but we will set the, set our systems up in place to do that. So when our property management company sold, we weren't in a position to manage our own properties. So then we sold them to pay off our student loans. So now we are kind of just actually living in the first house we ever bought because we did keep it. Um, and then we're going to get back into, we have some farmland now we're investing in and, and getting back into commercial. Yeah. All right. So a couple things you like ran through so many things so fast. And I know there's like so many different layers, like uh -huh. we might, we might even just have to do a, another episode in the future, breaking down all those different things, because that was so many things you touched on. Uh, first thing to circle back there. Uh, so uh, I haven't released the episode yet, but I already recorded it um, with one of my friends that is a realtor. We did a whole episode about how to target a realtor that has an investment, you know, an investment mindset. And what you just reinforced that, that the investment mindset realtor is very different than a home buyer, purely home buyer, a realtor that some of the language and the way they kind of filter the properties and present them to you, it's going to be very different. So I'm glad that you did mention that. Um, and then second, uh, you were saying about property management. You said that you, you got your broker's license and then you were hiring a property manager or you guys were a property management company. I think you had told me that you guys had the company and then sold it, right? We, we worked, I had my broker's license with a property management company. So they did real estate sales and property man management. And so I was still selling commercial real estate on this. I mean, not commercial residential real estate on the side while being a PT, but they were managing our properties. And so I got to see the inside from, um, from working at the office, but also being a property owner um, and just seeing their systems in place. Yeah. And that's the one of the biggies that we did is when we found this gentleman who had this property manager, we interviewed him. 
Mm-hmm. So it was like interviewing somebody for that's going to work for you. So we didn't just like, oh, oh, Billy Bob, he just he does real estate. Great. Let's go with him. No. One of the biggies we asked is I, I straight up asked him, I was like, how many properties do you have yourself? Mm-hmm. And he goes, 60. And I was like, OK, <laughs> you, you, oh my. yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's, so we kind of already went over in that different episode, what to look for in a realtor. And so that's kind of what Mm -hmm. I want to touch on now is like, what to look for in a property manager. And especially, well, one, you need to interview them before you hire them. So I love you said that, like, you need to talk to them, feel them out. And so a good question, um, the property manager, were you saying how many properties does their company manage? Or were you saying how many properties does that particular owner, you know, own? So that was how many he owned at that time. The company ended up managing 800 uh, by the time he sold the company. So they they knew a thing or two. But that was the thing, you know, when we were looking at property managers, it's not just what percentage they're going to charge you. It's what are they going to do? And then, okay, maybe this company's going to charge me 5%. Maybe this company's going to charge me 10%. Well, maybe that 5% company is actually charging me double on maintenance because they're going to make up for right. it in the end. And so just transparency is super important and their expectation for you as a, as a property owner, you know, if you, if they're just sending you checks and you have no say versus if you're like, Hey, you know, small ticket stuff, go ahead and do, but if it's big ticket stuff, you need to ask me first. You just need to know what the relationship is going to look like. What level of involvement do you want to have? Do you want to be very passive or very active and different property management companies are set up for that, that style. So the, we, we have three properties with a property manager in a full service property manager in Jacksonville, Florida, and their threshold on the maintenance, like you just said, is $400. So each property has like a $400, you know, little like cushion account. And so if the quick request comes in, it's under 400, they just run it. They don't even call me. They just shows up on the statement. Um, and then if it's over 400, that's when we have a conversation of, okay, here's the situation. How do we want to approach this? So that's a great point. And, and like, you got to decide what that threshold is and make sure it fits, you know, whatever your comfort level is. If some people are saying, it's like, this one's, this one's always back and forth. The people saying, oh, well, I'm going to manage it myself and that's going to save me money. I don't want to pay the 10%. So I'm going to like save money doing it myself. What would kind of your biggest, because I know what my biggest rebuttal is, but what would kind of your biggest pushback on people that are saying that? I would say how much education you have on taking care of your own house. Yeah. I mean, how much of a true handyman are you? Because anything and everything's going to go wrong. And what do you know is in your wheelhouse, like, can you do HVAC? And HVAC people that you can call in a pickle to figure out how to get it fixed. Or can you fix something simple like an outlet? I mean, mm-hmm. you just got to figure out your threshold and your education of, you know, taking care of a house itself. Anywhere. You know, pipes freeze on Christmas Eve. So if you, you know, if you're going to be traveling a lot and you don't, I mean, you can't really turn with your property manager, um, you can't turn your phone on silent over a holiday break. You know, things happen and these people are relying on you, especially if you live, if you want to manage your own property, you, ha- you have to live there. You have to have a handyman that you can call and trust. You have to have an HVAC, you have to have a plumber. You have to have people that in that moment you can say, yeah, I'm going to text Jerry. He'll be there in an hour. Or you need to show up for those people in- you know, if you have a family living there and they're, yeah, they don't have water, you, they cannot, you no. can't just <laughs> let it go. The clear thing is if it's out of area for you, out of city, out of state, you got to be in person property manager. I mean, it, 
if, if you're not if you're not a pro real estate person that has a bunch of rental properties you have no business trying to manage it yourself especially remotely i like what you said about the main maintenance yeah. requests there um the for me um kind of the principles of rich dad poor dad what is an asset how do you stop trading your time for money um, and kind of let your assets work out for you. So th this was a bridge that really had to cross mm -hmm. um, with my mom when we were kind of doing real estate. She was like, look at all this money we're sending out. I was like, all right, here's here's how it works. Would you rather make $1,000 doing something or $100 doing nothing? And the answer is always you want to make $100 doing nothing because you can go do it 10 times and get that 1000 right. Mm -hmm. So when we think about real estate and we think about scaling, multiplying, compound effect, okay, if you're saying I'm doing real estate to get passive income, to get back my time, but you're just signing up to be the, be the, be the property manager, well, then you're putting your yeah. time back into it. And so it's like, you're just trading one thing for another. And so to kind of change your mindset and elevate to like thinking, scaling, okay, what's my time worth? Because for me, like on our property, you know, $2,000 rent. Okay, $200. Is me paying JWB and Caitlin $200 a month worth my time? I'd say so. I mean, and cool. then finding tenants, screening them, that's a whole different process, too. I mean, like yeah. screening tenants is like one of the biggest steps. Mm -hmm. And that's what's great for, honestly, a property management company. Exactly. And if it's a big enough property management company, like you said, that one manages 800. The one we have manages 5,000 doors. Like they have such a reputation and a marketing, you know, advertising that they have a very high bar, like for their pool of tenants. So, 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 so they're yeah. not just taking the first application. They're getting a list of, you know, 25, 30 applications and they're picking the best one, you know, for your property. And literally by picking the best, most qualified tenant on the front end, that is going to pay you dividends for headache each, every single month. And especially when you're talking about maintenance, checking in on the property, if they pick the best tenant that's most qualified, hopefully, you know, they'll take care of it the best and maybe you'll have less repairs on the back end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. And keeping an eye on it for you. Yeah. It's just, if you're going to, if you're going to do property for income, you want it to be, yeah, it's a long-term investment that will pay off, but you still have to take care of it. Another another hidden benefit of a full service property manager um, is the accounting and tax side of the things. So them helping you keep track of keep track of all the income, all the expenses. They help prepare your tax documents. So when you go to your tax professional, it's like way 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 easier because unless you're unless you are an accountant, it's sometimes it gets a little tricky and people are lazy with tracking all the financials. So yeah, and. It, <laughs> point i don't know how it is now but at one point if you had it was, it was this was our issue it has to be managed by a property manager it's two years so oh like you, on taxes when to looking, buy another and looking property. at loans yeah so like the that big, was our area here in columbia missouri yeah, yeah. is that if, it, if a property management company managed it for a year it no longer counted against you when applying for the next loan but if you managed it it had to be you had to show two years of management before it wouldn't count against you for your next home loan so oh really you know, Oh, yeah. that's interesting. I've I've mm -hmm. never heard. I I don't know anything about that. That's perfect. Yeah, that'd be a Missouri thing. That's just what we know here in Columbia. Yeah. 
Yeah, be, be, because if you get a nice official document and this business says, oh, we got this amazing tenant and here's the mm -hmm. lease and here's the projected income, then, yeah. then maybe the underwriter is more comfy, cozy and trusting that than if you're like, oh yeah, they paid me on time every month. And they're like, well, I don't believe you. So, right. Yeah. 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 So that's a good point. So when it comes time to qualify for more loans, maybe it's a little more legit, has a little more weight, can maybe save you time in leveraging into that next property. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. yeah. Man, I love it. These are all great points. I love it. Uh, so kind of, so so now that you did all this property management stuff, you guys took a step back to kind of reset and re-scramble and sell stuff and have your mm -hmm. kids and everything. And so now you're kind of trying to transition back into leveraging your knowledge into dollars. So you guys have all this property management, you know, knowledge, you have all these systems, paperwork, all this stuff. And so now you're trying to figure out how to, how to help people that want help with that, I think is what you're trying to do. Yeah. So we, um, you know, we go and we lecture at the university here and we have students come through the clinic and, you know, patients and just friends of ours, just showing them, you know, like, Hey, there are systems you just when women look at a house and how it's taken care of versus how men look at a house and how it's taken care of, n no matter which role you fall into, we look at stuff differently. So, yeah, we have processes in place. We have everything in checklists and all of that stuff. And so we um, coach PT students, we coach other health healthcare people on kind of how to, what to look at. That way, you know, sometimes when you go into a checklist, you're not going to miss things if it's all written down. Absolutely. It's hard to forget things if it's just just looking at the checklist. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard to be emotional about a checklist. Exactly. <laughs> so you guys currently are, you, you said you're currently living back in that first house you bought. That's so yeah. cool. It's so funny. The house that Josh never looked at that we thought would be too small with kids. Um, we moved out of it when we got pregnant and bought our next house that we flipped um, because we thought it'd be too small. But honestly, the neighborhood is fabulous and we absolutely love it. And we don't need a lot of stuff. We bought farm. Um, and so we'll turn it back into a beautiful rental. Our kids, I mean, this is a long-term plan for us. So if our kids go to the university of Missouri, they'll probably live in this house. Um, we're just going to kind of see what happens. And then we have, now that we have um, a cash practice, we'll get into commercial as well. Um, but that's the fun thing about real estate is it's always needed. And, you know, you got to live somewhere, you got to work yep. somewhere. So you just got to go from there, figure it out. Yep. And be flexible. If that's anything <laughs> that, that COVID, the pandemic, all this crazy stuff with the Fed rate, it's just being flexible and just trying to, you know, make the best plan and roll with it as you can. Yeah. And that's the thing. If you have an interest rate below 4%, you don't necessarily want to give that up <laughs> for any reason. No, you don't. Yep. Uh-huh. That's cool. Uh, so then kind of, kind of one of the last topics, uh, to, to, that I wanted to discuss with you guys, obviously you guys are a married couple with kids, with a family. Um, a lot of the people that are kind of thinking about real estate, buying a house, paying down student loans, they're going to be married with kids, without kids. Um, and so kind of what were some of those conversations early on where you guys were like, okay, we're going to buy this house and then turn it into a rental. Like, how did you guys get on the same page? And how did you kind of, you know, work through that from like a relationship discussion standpoint? Because I know like talking about money is not, not a strength of a lot of people. We dated in undergrad and that's when I was doing a lot of self-education on it. So I was super excited about it. So, you know, when we talked to each other about our day, even while we were dating, I was like, 
learn this cool, awesome thing about this. Here's some knowledge about real estate. Here's the numbers on it. Um, here's how you find a great house. Mm-hmm. And so it just started building. Oh, I wasn't just initially like, we're going to buy a bunch of houses <laughs> and move it. Like, um, yeah, that would not go over well. Yeah, it was just like nurturing, you know, the relationship. And then we gradually built on it. And then like, even the first time we went out to look at houses, it wasn't like, it's got to be today. It's like, let's look at some and just see what we think. No pressure. I mean, it costs nothing to contact a realtor and be like, hey, we'd like to look at some houses. I mean, like people freak out about that, but there's no, you don't have to. That's the great thing about it. Yeah. And honestly, reading Rich Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And then have you played the game? Do you have the board game? The, the Rich Dad, Poor Dad board uh-huh. game? No. Yeah. I don't have it. Oh, my yeah. God. oh yeah. It's terrible. We, we, would, <laughs> we would, that's what we would do on date nights yeah. is we would play the game and you draw, it's kind of like Monopoly, but you draw these doodad cards and you have, the goal is to get out of the rat race and you have to have enough passive income to get out of the rat race. And playing that game, it can take, I mean, it can take hours, days, or it can take 45 minutes. It's just, and it kind of, it teaches you that like sometimes you have to make bold moves, but if you make bold moves intelligently, you can get out of the rat race. And I mean, I came from a small town country family. I mean, like we were, you know, rel- we were poor growing up. And so there are things that you don't, we, those are so many things that we didn't even know. And so it's been actually really fun for us to get to change the trajectory of your life and sometimes scary. And I mean, like, you know, we're married, we've fought about money and disagreed about things, but that end of the day we're like okay we're in the rat race that's a doodad what's our end game and if you guys have an end game and a focus goal and keep pointing to that then it's easy to just break through some of the day-to-day like emotional stress decisions that you want to make man i love that no i didn't know it was a rich dad poor dad oh, game. You, have you, to know, you know i'm gonna go oh we're oh gonna go gosh. buy it like asap yeah. <laughs> it's crazy they it's- even have one for kids now too yeah it's hard. All right. <laughs> yeah. Man, we're going to have to do that. Financial education early. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I definitely, I, I definitely identify with what you're saying. Like my family, we were, <laughs> my, my dad always worked two and three jobs because he was always yeah. just trading his time for money. A hundred percent. My family didn't have any assets working for us. Everything was working against us. Um, and so when my, my dad got cancer and then he passed away in 2013, um, that was it. So he was in the rat race, trading all his time for money. And then his time was up and that was it. Um, and so we got, we got some life insurance money, um, from that, you know, a decent amount, probably less than, you know, most should have a few, a bunch of kids. Um, but that's what we used as a kind of our starting point for real estate investing. And so being able to, like you said, change the trajectory, like, okay, we're going to put this money into assets that are going to work for us over time that are going to compound, and so, no, I love, I love what you said. Change the trajectory. That's so cool. Right. Yeah. yeah. And you can, I mean, you know, money doesn't make you have a happy life. I had, you know, we've had no. wonderful, it is nice to, you know, be able to be like, oh yeah, I have time freedom. I mean, time is like the only asset you can't get back. And yeah, my parents always worked and still work, you know, and time is something that we really value and we try and give to our kids a lot. And so it's passive income is the only way to get more time. Exactly. Uh, so, for, so it sounds like you spent 
all through undergrad, you said through PT school, then you guys got married, then the first house. So it sounds like you spent what, five years learning about real estate before you actually pulled the trigger on that first deal. Oh, easily. Yeah. Just reading. Start, I started off with Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and then all of the other books, gradually read those in my spare time and then started expanding upon that. And then it got into like YouTube videos and then blogs and just had so much information at that time when it came time to buy the house. I was like, okay, this is a no brainer. I've seen it too many times to where right. it was just not a big deal at all. But in hindsight, it would have been nicer to have done it sooner. I mean, it's always nice to, even though like interest rates are really high right now, you can still find a deal out there. You just have mm -hmm. to look and you might have to look exactly. at 20, 50, 100 houses. When the time is right, you'll be like, oh shit, that's a good deal. Let's pull the trigger. Exactly. You can always find a great deal and it's not being complacent on a good deal. Um, Cause like now in our portfolio, we have, we have two, we have two houses, one that we should have sold before re-renting it um, because it was a good deal, but it wasn't a great deal. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, ah, kicking myself now. But, you know, you, like you said, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, now you know. Yeah. Uh, so so kind of what you're saying, education, spent, spent a long time learning until that point came to actually pull the trigger. And so obviously what I'm trying to do is trying to help people educate. My like tagline that I'm doing is learn and then do it. Yeah, <laughs> have and to try do to, it. Exactly. And try to yeah. shorten that time, you know, as much as possible to, to, to help guide and walk through and educate so, so that it's, it's a short, a short action threshold because the number one asset is time for real estate. Yeah. It compounds. Yeah. So the quicker you get in and start, the faster it's going to compound and then you can see those benefits. Um, I heard, I heard a really good quote that said, there's that if you're thinking about, you know, starting a business, investing real estate, losing weight, whatever, you're going to get there. And there's two, there's two ways you can pay. You can pay with your time or you can pay with your money. If it takes you, you know, three, five, six years before you do that first real estate deal versus paying to get educated and get, get a coach and find someone to help you, you know, then you're buying their time. You're buying their time to save the time um, and get started sooner. But um, yeah. yeah, I like that. Yeah. I mean, and we apply that to everything anyway, right? Like you don't want a new surgeon. You want a surgeon that's been practicing for 10, 15, mm -hmm. 20 years. Same for PT. You don't want, you don't want a new grad. You want somebody that knows what's up. And so I will say getting a business coach um, or, you know, just a trusted advisor is, has been a game changer for us. And that's, I mean, that's how we met you. I know that's how we both met because we both yeah. found we both found someone yeah. and Greg Todd yeah. like shout out to Greg he's the best, he's um, the best. yeah but but just just that community that support and that education of yeah. okay someone's already done this I don't need to reinvent the wheel here I just need to do what they did yeah um, yeah that's huge <laughs> and not having analysis paralysis yeah exactly exactly.